Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. How you doing? Good morning. Come on, this is Texas. You guys are supposed to be friendly and stuff. I'm not in L.A., am I? <laughs> oh, look, that that woke you up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, as she mentioned, we, so my husband and I pastored in the urban L.A. for uh, 35 years and then handed off the leadership of that church, and then we just made the decision to move to Texas. So we uh, moved into our home in November. I actually was born in Texas. A lot. I know, see, I'm coming home, right? Um, and we, I've just done so much work here over the years, it's always kind of felt like home. So my husband went, let's go there. People are, like, nice there. Okay, so here we go. So we're here. So you gotta, you got to hold up that reputation. People are nice here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm so honored to be here. I, I love the local church. And actually, it's so great that you take time out of just your day. You might have been forced here because it's Mother's Day and your mama said, we go into church. I don't know. But I'm just glad that you're here. Um, something happens when we gather together in God's house. So thanks for taking time to do this. Um, all right, let me ask you a question. Anybody ever been under pressure? Anybody got a job? All right, then you've been under pressure. Any, any parents in the room? Right, then you've been under pressure. I actually think who we really are, the good and the bad perhaps, comes out when we're under pressure. We've certainly seen that in the last few years, right? We've seen the crazy come out of people, right? One of the most challenging verses in the Bible to me uh, um, is this verse. And this verse has never made it onto the front of a journal. You know how sometimes they put like inspiring verses on the front of This verse has never made that. It's never on the front of a mug or a t-shirt. All right, this verse in James 1, it says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Woohoo! <laughs> it says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, when I look at that verse, just one little thought here is that maturity doesn't come from how much you know or how old you are. Right? According to this verse, maturity comes from what you're willing to persevere through. Look at the person next to you and say, she's talking to you now. <laughs> so basically what it's saying is let the pressure that we're under produce good things. Now, when we evaluate our leaders or, or any leaders or presidents, you know, be it scholars, historians, or just the average person doing the evaluating, the greatest of the leaders are determined by the magnitude of the crisis during which they led. Right? George Washington for his leadership during the American Revolution, Abraham Lincoln for his guidance during a time when our country is being ripped in two, or, or even Martin Luther King for his leadership and influence during such a painful time. And so when we go through difficulties, we think life is terrible. And it certainly feels that way. But it was the difficulties that these men faced that actually led to their greatness. And I just want to say there is greatness within you. And it will be revealed in the midst of whatever challenge you're you're going through. Greatness or its opposite will be revealed under pressure. At one point in his life, the Apostle Paul 
is a prisoner in Rome. He's imprisoned for his faith, and ultimately he would be beheaded. And while he's there, he wrote letters to the churches, some of which he had started. And many people call the books of Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians the prison letters, the prison epistles. So Paul's writing letters to these churches while he's in prison. And so he wrote a letter to the Colossians. And in the last chapter of the book of Colossians, he encourages people with three thoughts. Now he is about to be headed to his death. And he's writing these things. And this is someone who's navigated some really, really hard things. Really hard things. He's given his life for his faith in Jesus. So I'm thinking we should pay attention to the man. What are these things that he's telling us that we should do when we're under pressure? So he says this, Colossians 4 verse 2. He says, pray diligently. Stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Okay, so the first thing he's saying when the pressure is on, we're supposed to be praying diligently. Diligence, persevere. It comes from a word meaning devotion. He's saying pray with devotion. All right, think of some things that you are devoted to. Your family, your job. My husband is a baseball fan. He's devoted to baseball. We have MLB on our television. He's a baseball fan. Or maybe you're a football fan. Any football fans in the room? Like my mom, my 86-year-old mother, is a devoted Dallas Cowboy fan. Yeah, see, Texans, right? She's devoted. She yells at the refs on the TV like they can hear her. Like she's just screaming at them, throwing. She's devoted. She is not missing a game. She's devoted. And then there are some fans who camp outside ticket gates so they can be the first one to get tickets to a concert or camp outside, you know, department stores on Black Friday. Remember when you actually used to go to stores? Stores are these buildings where they sell things. Anyway, or, or maybe some people would camp out in order to be the, you know, get to see a movie on opening week and they, in the theater. Theaters are also these buildings and there are seats in them and they project it. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Well, the only movie that I ever did that with, you know, got in that long line, was in 1980. Some of you weren't born, so shut up. But in 1980, with Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. All right, I've got family in the room. This is good news. We can have our own little connect groups. Okay. And, I mean, I didn't care how long that wait was. I was going to get into that theater on opening day. And then later when all the prequels came out, you know, my son Jordan was young at that time and we purchased all of those little Star Wars figures. I said they were for him, but whatever. Well, so Paul is saying that this is the kind of attitude we're supposed to have when it comes to prayer. Devotion. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a home where you didn't pray or in your home prayer was more of a religious obligation. You know, it was something that you should do. Or maybe you just struggle with what to say and you wonder if there's words you're supposed to say or scripture you're supposed to recite. Or maybe when you pray, you just find yourself being distracted. Right? We're busy. We're hurried. We're moving fast. So sometimes it's just difficult to find the time and the space. And, or sometimes when you start to pray because the lady at church said to pray and then you, you start to pray and then your mind kind of wanders. Right? Or maybe you're a little cynical about prayer. You know, maybe just a little suspicious. Because maybe you prayed something for a lo- prayed about something for a long time, 
and you didn't get the answer that you wanted. And you're left thinking, God, why didn't you do something about that? And I imagine everyone in this room, everyone watching, has a that that they've prayed for. Some of you are still waiting for that. Some of you are still dealing with that. Some of you are sitting next to that. (laughs) You know, and some of you are wondering if God even listens at all, if he even cares. But if you look through the Bible, I mean, regardless of what you think about the Bible or regardless of what your religious background is, if you just open it up, if you look at the stories, it is almost all a form of prayer. From Adam and Eve talking to God in the garden, the Bible is full of men and women who talked to their God and he answered. You know, Moses cried out to God and God spared Israel from judgment. Joshua's prayer made the sun stand still. Solomon got wisdom in answer to his prayer. Hannah's prayer was answered with a baby boy. Ten lepers were prayed and were healed. And then there's the book of Psalms. Right? It is almost all a book of prayers. And so when I read through the book of Psalms, many of them were written by King David. And I, I just think about his approach in talking to God. It's basically he said things like, help me. Anybody else ever prayed that prayer? That's a prayer. Help me. See, that's not very eloquent. It's not very deep. It's just, help me. Help me. And then sometimes David in the Psalms, he would say, listen to me. Don't be mad at me, God. And then this is the prayer that always gets to me that David prays as, where are you, God? I've prayed that prayer. So David went boldly to God and told him what was on his mind. You don't have to come to God with, all, with the right words. Just talk to him. And then if you look at the life of Jesus, the one thing Jesus did more than anything else was he prayed. He was perfect. Son of God, perfect. And he prayed. So I'm thinking maybe I should too. Right? right? Even when the crowds would gather around him, even when life got really busy, he would often find time just to step away for a few moments, if nothing else, to talk to his father. He believed it mattered, which is why the disciples wanted to be students of prayer. More than anything else, the disciples came to Jesus at one point and they said to him, can you teach us to pray? Did you know that in all four books, Gospels, which are the books of the Bible describing the life of Jesus, in all four of those books, there is only one recorded request of the disciples asking Jesus to teach them anything. And it was, teach us to pray. I mean, think about that. They'd seen him preach. They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him walk on the water. They'd seen him raise the dead. They'd seen him stop the wind and the waves. But not once do we have a record of the disciples asking Jesus to teach them to heal or preach or walk on water or raise the dead. They said, teach us to pray. Because they knew that that's where the power came from. And they wanted to learn. Okay, so then when should we pray? Well, James 5 puts it like this. This is James. He said this, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are you happy? You should sing praises. Are you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So don't miss what James is saying here. He's saying no matter what the situation that you happen to be in, 
You need to be facing God, communicating with him. So there's a few, you know, scenarios when James is saying we need to turn our face toward God in prayer. And I have some emojis that are going to help remind you that these are the times when we turn our face in prayer. And so the first one he mentioned in verse 13, he says, we're supposed to pray when we're in trouble. Right? When your life looks a little bit like this. (laughs) You know, so funny about this emoji is that my mom would send it to me all the time. She goes, I'm sending you some chocolate ice cream. I'm like, this is not chocolate ice cream, mom. <laughs> but anybody ever have a season in your life when that's all you wanted to, you were just emojiing that, right? That's what it felt like. Anybody in the room or was it just me, right? We've all had those moments when it just, everything feels, yuck, right? Interesting, this is the only time in the New Testament where this word for trouble is used. And it means suffering through tough times not related to physical problems. So James is saying, this is the time when there isn't enough money to pay the bills, when a storm destroys your home, James says pray. When your friend or someone in your family is acting like a jerk and trying to destroy the relationship, pray. When your marriage is at a rough place, pray. When your child is hurting, pray. When you feel like the rug is being pulled out from under you, pray. When you need help, pray. When you're confused, pray. When you're overwhelmed, pray. Pray. Okay, so we're supposed to pray when our life feels like that, when we're in trouble. And secondly, we're supposed to pray when we're happy. Right? We love these moments. Right? I've had like two of them this week. Right? Just kidding. So we teach our kids to say thank you when they receive something, and that's great. But we just want to make sure that we're actually giving thanks to God when good things come our way. Sometimes we call out to him when we need him, when we're in trouble, and that's great. But just make sure that when he blesses your life that you actually say thank you. He wants us to acknowledge his blessing. Okay, so we're to pray when we're in trouble, we're to pray when we're happy. And then third, he tells us in verse 14, when we're sick. All right, when we look like this. Now, in L.A., we looked like that for a lot of years. (laughs) Right, when we're sick. And so what James is saying is that our first response to any sort of sickness should be to pray. Now, please get whatever treatment you want to get or take whatever medicine you want to take. But just how about if our first response when we're feeling unwell is to pray? That's what he's saying. Okay, so we're to pray when we're in trouble, when we're happy, when we're sick. And then we're supposed to pray when we sin. When we mess up. Anybody in here ever messed up? Anybody watching ever messed up? Okay, the three of us. The rest of you are lying. (laughs) We'll we'll bring you up front in a minute. No, we've all messed up. And sometimes when we, you know, sin simply means missing the mark. When we miss the mark, when we we make a mistake, he's saying don't run from God, but that's that's what we want to do, right? Because we feel ashamed. We let shame perhaps drive us from God. But what he's saying is, no, come to God. And just ask for forgiveness, which is why we work so hard here at Hope Fellowship to create an atmosphere so that when the broken and the hurting walk in the door, they don't feel judgment, right? They feel forgiveness. They feel welcome because we've all been there. We've all been there. So James is saying, you know, in all of those scenarios, we should pray. And I think that covers almost all of them. All right, so back to Colossians 4, 2. In fact, why don't we read this together out loud? This is the interactive part of the service. We'll do it together. One, two, three. Pray diligently. Stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. All right, so the second thing he's talking about 
when the pressure is on is to stay alert. Luke 12, verse 54 begins, Jesus turned to the crowd and he said, when you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. And you're right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher. And it is. You fools. I love Jesus. You fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. I just think you and I need to get really good at being alert to what's around us. Now, the last decades of my life were spent in Southern California. And in Southern California, we never got to experience seasons. Right? Palm trees never change colors. I never built a snowman on my front yard. I never had to winterize my garden. I don't even know what that means. Right? But I think there are those of you who live here, perhaps, and elsewhere, you're, you're more alert to a season change. You pay attention to like when the sky looks like, whoa, there's, is that a tornado sky? I mean, I didn't even know what that was. Right? And the people who live along the Gulf Coast or Florida, they're very alert to you know, the hurricane season. They're paying attention. They make decisions that would protect themselves because of those, the seasons. And so the apostle Peter challenges in 1 Peter 5.8. He says, be alert and of sober mind. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He said, be alert. That word means sleeplessly watchful. I don't think it means we can't ever take a nap, but I do think it means that we have to be vigilant, ever watchful to what's going on around us. I'm sure you've seen those police shows on television where the officer is on a stakeout, and uh, you know he has to be, or she has to be alert and ready to catch the criminal or whoever they're waiting for. They can't just sit in the patrol car and play video games. And I'm sure that in the dark, quiet moments, it would be very easy to fall asleep. I'm sure that there are moments when they suspect that person isn't coming after all. And I'm sure there are moments when they just want to leave. But what if they do? What if they fall asleep? Well, then they'll miss what they were sent there for. Maybe you and I are on a stakeout. We can't get distracted or fall asleep. We have to be alert to what we're here for. We have to be alert to the time in history that God has trusted us with, the moment he's trusted us with, which is why I love what the the generosity of this church and what you're doing for those young women phasing out of foster care. Foster care is a real crisis in our country and obviously here too. And so, but you become alert to it. So rather than just going la, 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 You decided to put your hands to do something. That's what he's talking about. Be alert to what's going on around you. And then we also have to be alert to what's going on within us. 17 years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer and and began this journey. And I spent a couple of weeks at a holistic hospital, and they were doing all sorts of things. But one of the, the tests they administered to me was a stress test. And so they hooked me up and put these things all over my body. And, you know, they did blood work and all the things. And the the doctor came to me and he said, so Holly, how do you feel like you're doing? I said, well, I'm good. I mean, I know I got this, the diagnosis, but I'm feeling good. And he said, okay. So they did the test. Well, he comes back to me and he said, actually, Holly, the stress in your body is as if you're staring a roaring lion in the face. He said, the problem is that you don't know it. So I had to begin a journey of being alert to what was it that triggered that in me? 
What was it that caused the stress to get out of control? So we need to be alert to what's going on around us and within us. Alert, alert, alert to what's going on in your home with your kids. I mean, there's so many times, even to this day, I I just get this feeling about my kids. And so I just pray, right? Just pray. I don't have all the answers. Be alert. How many of you have ever driven home, pulled in your garage or on your street, and then you actually don't remember getting there? Stop that. You are dangerous people. (laughs) It's just like driving on autopilot, right? But we can't do life on autopilot. We have to pay attention. Be alert when the pressure's on. Be alert to what's going on. All right. The last thing that Paul mentions in that verse, he says, pray diligently, stay alert. He says, with your eyes wide open in gratitude. He's saying, determine to be grateful. Under pressure, determine to be grateful. Now, everyone wants to be grateful. I mean, who wants to be ungrateful? But the question is, what's your plan? What's your plan to become a more grateful person? Because we don't just drift into gratitude. I think we have this problem when it comes to gratitude. We say thank you when someone does something for us or thank you when we're given a gift, and we should. But if we start to think that we'll be grateful to the extent we receive things or the more more good things we have, the more grateful we'll become, then gratitude becomes a product of our circumstances. And gratitude is always, always, always a decision of the heart. It is not a result of circumstances. Because have you noticed that two people can be in the same job, the same church, the same school, the same long line at Starbucks, and one of them is just grumbling and one of them is just grateful? Why? Because I think what one person sees as their right, someone else sees as a gift. Grateful. In another letter, Paul teaches us that gratitude actually is the will of God. He says this in 1 Thessalonians, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. A thankful heart is more than a good idea. It is God's will for his people. See, so many times people are going, what's God's will for my life? What's the purpose? You know, we're looking for it out there. As if it's some mystical cloud that descends. It doesn't. He says the first step toward discovering God's will for your life, be grateful. Be grateful. Give thanks in all circumstances. He's not saying give thanks for that really horrible situation you're in. He's saying even in the middle of that situation, find something to be grateful for. I don't know what would help you be grateful. Maybe it's a journal. I have one friend who just makes a decision every day when she gets out of bed, she just goes, thank you. (laughs) Whatever. In our house, we have this jar. And my husband brought it in our kitchen during what was the most painful season in my life. It was the most painful season, certainly in ministry life. I've never really wanted to quit until then. I'd never been in that place before. So he put that jar in the kitchen. And that season started with my father passing away suddenly. He fell and hit his head and had a brain bleed. And I was very loved by my dad. And I'm aware of what a gift that is, certainly in today's culture, to be loved and encouraged by your father. He supported every dream I ever had. 
And so I'm grieving the loss or trying to grieve the loss and process the loss of my dad. And then the next month, Philip's identity gets stolen. They kind of hack through his Gmail account and then work their way through our bookkeeper to the bank. And it's this long, you know, convoluted process, but they eventually stole our savings account. The FBI got involved, and, but because of how it was done, the bank wasn't liable. So I'm dealing with the loss of my dad, and now I'm trying to you know, process this financial grief or you know, loss. And then Philip gets diagnosed with cancer. And the treatment was pretty brutal for him, and it just destroyed his immune system. And when you have no immune system, then you can't really fight anything. And so then he, got it, he caught everything. And then he got shingles. And he got like the worst case of shingles I'd ever seen. And he couldn't really function for five or six months. And then my daughter made a really bad decision. Which is her story to tell. Really bad decision. And so I'm, I'm trying to lead a church. Trying to be a wife and trying to deal with what my daughter's going through, and then trying to figure out the whole financial thing. And I, haven't, I didn't really get a chance to, to grieve my dad. I didn't really have time. We had to move on to something else. And so I was not getting an A-plus in those, all of them. I'm sure I was failing somewhere along the way. And the people to whom I had expected to give me grace, people to whom I had given a lot of grace when they had come in the the walls of the church or into my life. They'd been a hot mess and I'd thrown grace their way and I expected some grace back just because I wasn't handling this all great. And I didn't get that grace back. I just got stabbed in the back. And then just processing just the betrayal. I'm, I'm a people person. I like people. If you come next to me, I'm touching you. I'm just people right? And so the pain of betrayal is agony for me. So it's really painful. So during this season, I found myself just sitting on my couch, just becoming more cynical and more bitter. I mean, not just the Bible talks about a root of bitterness. I had the whole tree growing. Just bitter, angry, 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 hurt. So it's in this season that Philip brings this jar and he puts it in our kitchen. He says, every day we're going to write something that we're grateful for and we're going to put it in this jar. See, he's the Christian. (laughs) There should be one in every marriage. Anyway. So he says, you know, we're going to write and put something that we're thankful for. And I went, no, we're not. You go ahead. But I knew something needed to break in me because if not, I knew who that woman would become. And it would not be a pretty one. I didn't want to be this bitter, angry old woman. So I'm like, ugh. So I show up to the jar the first day, and he got all the colorful post-its, you know, thinking that's really going to help out. (laughs) So I stand at that stupid jar. And I know he's going to look. So I'm like, oh, what am I thankful for? Huh. Coffee. (laughs) Anybody else thankful for coffee? Hello? So the next day, coffee. I'm pretty sure for four or five days it was coffee, and then eventually I looked up and went, huh, sunshine. As if in Southern California that's unusual, right? Then eventually it became a house and a book, my family. But let me just tell you, there was not one morning when I walked to that jar that I felt gratitude. 
every day it was a decision of my will. I made a decision to find something I could be grateful for, and I did it until something broke in me, until the bitterness broke. See, when Paul is writing that to the Colossians, he was in prison, which is not the best situation, and yet that whole book is filled with so much gratitude. Oh, by the way, my husband's doing great. I always forget to say that part. He's doing great. I mean, he still drives me crazy, but you know he's doing great. Anyway, so there's a man named Dr. Dale Robbins, and he wrote this. He said, I used to think people complained because they had a lot of problems, but I've come to realize they have problems because they complain. Complaining doesn't change anything or or doesn't make the situation better. It simply amplifies frustration. It spreads discontent and discord. Complaining makes us miserable. Psalm 77 said this, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. So Holly, maybe the reason you're feeling so overwhelmed is because you're spending so much of your time complaining about everything. When I look at the Apostle Paul, his life was filled with so many difficulties that he could complain about. I mean, how many of us would put up with the stress he did, the confusion, persecution, shipwrecks, imprisonments, beatings, permanent injuries? But still he was thankful. How could he do that? Because he learned this secret. Philippians 4, verse 11, he said, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, we love quoting that last part, right? That makes it on the t-shirts. That's on the front of the journal. I can do all things through Christ. Well, what is he talking about? What all things? The secret of being content in any and every situation. That's how he could do all things. Because he learned that he could be content in prison as at at home. Because his contentment wasn't based on circumstances. It was based on his relationship with Jesus. So God is saying to us, to you and to me, don't wait to be grateful. Don't postpone gratitude until your situation changes, until you've acquired a certain thing. Because as soon as you have that, you'll just have another long list. Don't postpone gratitude. Because if we can't be grateful now, we won't be grateful then. So for me, also in that really horrible season, I decided to make a list of the things that I, even little things that I most often complained about and just kind of flipped it and found, tried to find something to be grateful for. So here's my list. You can borrow this one or, or write your own. But here's my list. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the traffic I'm driving in because it means I have a car. I'm grateful for the spot I find at the far end of the parking lot because it means I can walk. I'm grateful for a bad hair day because it means I got hair. Look, if you've navigated cancer, you're grateful for bad hair days. I'm grateful for my water bill and my electric bill because it means to get water, I simply have to turn on a faucet and flip a switch. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for scary, feel-like-throwing-up, walk-on-water moments because it means I'm getting to use my faith. I'm grateful. I'm grateful, and this is a hard one for me, even today. I'm grateful for challenges in relationships 
because it means I have relationships worth fighting for. And I'm grateful for the alarm that went off very early today because it means God has trusted me with another day. I'm grateful. So I don't know what you might be in the middle of. I wish I could tell you that life was mountaintop, mountaintop, mountaintop heaven. But it isn't, is it? And between almost every mountaintop, there's the the valley. But the interesting thing is that fruit doesn't grow on the mountaintops. Fruit grows in the valleys. Who we are is being forged in the valleys. And I just want to encourage you. When the pressure's on, and maybe right now you're having a mountaintop moment. Well, yay for you. Next week, you'll be in the valley. It's just how it works. And I just want to encourage you that when you're under pressure, when you're in that valley moment, just to remember those simple things. Talk to God. Talk to God. Stay alert to what's going on. And then make the decision to be grateful. Find something that you can be grateful for even in the midst of this circumstance. And I'm just going to pray. Can I just get you to close your eyes? Just kind of eliminating distractions. I just want to pray. Father, I pray for everyone here, everyone listening. And I pray, God, that today they would sense your presence. Holy Spirit, we can't do anything without you. I pray that today we would sense your presence. And God, I know there are people in here who are struggling. Dealing with fear, dealing with sicknesses, dealing with family breakdowns, job issues. And I ask, Spirit of God, that you would make your presence and your peace so evident. God, I also know in this room that there are, as we celebrate around our country, we celebrate Mother's Day. I know that there are women in here who are, have had miscarriage after miscarriage and are dealing with infertility. I know that there are women who just couldn't have kids. And I know there are women dealing with broken relationships with their own mom or kids, their own children who have strayed. And so I know that there are just some, all the emotions that come with the word mother. And I pray that, Spirit of God, that you would be comforter, that you would be teacher, that you would be encourager to those women. And then I just pray for all of us. I thank you, God, that you give us the strength to navigate the moment in history that you've trusted us with. Forgive us where we might have turned a blind eye or closed our ears to hurting people. And I thank you, God, though, we will be alert and awake to what's going on around. And then, God, I thank you that we will make the decision to be grateful. Grateful. Show us something that we can be thankful for in the midst of whatever we're in the middle of. And I pray, Father, for every man and woman that today they would sense your favor, your hope, and your peace. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 
for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.